Dotnet Rocks, episode 1033, with guest Paul Sheriff. Recorded Monday, September 8th, 2014. And that's how you do that, my friend. Indeed. Indeed. Having a good time here today. Oh, no doubt. Back in the studio. Got the windows open. Actually, you know, just uh, had the AC cleaned, so it's not, you know, spitting out. It's not coughing anymore. Right. The, the HVAC system. All that stuff takes maintenance, isn't it? Yeah, it does. So I spent the whole summer tinkering with things in the house, fixing stuff up, replacing some gear. It's, it's a good summer. Yep. Now I'm just sitting down, got my coffee. Paul's on the phone. We're going to have a good time this hour. Awesome. So let's roll that crazy music we call Better Know Framework. Hit me. All right, what do you got? Okay. This came out of necessity, actually. Um, But I didn't know that these apps were out there, but I, I figured they must be. But this one looks pretty good here. And I haven't checked out this one yet. But if you go to tinyurl.com slash Wi-Fi mouse app. Oh, really? The Wi-Fi mouse. I'm reading from the website. Transform your phone or tablet into a wireless mouse, keyboard, and trackpad using Wi-Fi mouse. Wi-Fi mouse supports speech-to-text as well as multi-finger track gestures. Wi-Fi mouse enables you to control your PC, Mac, or HTPC effortlessly through a local network connection. That's cool. Left and right click support, middle mouse button scroll, remote keyboard input. And it's compatible with XP, Windows Vista, Windows 7, Mac OS X. Supports Android and iOS. Sorry, Windows Phone. But uh, there you go. It's kind of cool. I mean, there's your remote control, right? Yeah, no kidding. Just whatever you can communicate with, it'll... It'll uh, be able to control it. Isn't it funny how all the IR stuff went away? You know, the infrared remote things. Right. I mean, uh, that that was just such a pain. It is such a pain to program, and it's a pain to actually use. And limited, too. If you have a, uh, you know, a, a Wi-Fi mouse, you can uh, you can get yourself into some big trouble. Well, <laughs> in some real range. Like, the, the big thing with IR is just that it's directional, limited range, all that sort of thing. But Wi-Fi chipsets now are pennies yeah you can put them into anything it's pretty crazy general computing man it's taken yep. over so there you go know it learn it, love it richard who's talking to us today grabbed a comment off of show 1014 and that's the one we did with jeff fritz we were talking about asp.net vnext right and all the wonders that were there i uh, got lots of comments on that show too uh, but eric large has a great one that i thought really related to what we're talking to today uh, I have a comment about the comment of the day. When okay. Nick Cage made a point about the issues he's seen with ASP.web forms. More importantly, I was on a contract where we knew the number of customers we'd have. It was a captive audience. We knew how long we had, and we knew how much money we could make. Mm-hmm. The team chose to use web forms because that's where the team's skill set was that they had from a previous web form app. The customer wanted a faster web app, and their approach was to rewrite it because our database access layer was slow. Mm-hmm. However, the team did not use best practices for view state or even attempt to get network traffic down. When asked to find out why our app was running slow, they just kind of looked around the room. There were only two people in the room who knew what was going on, and they both listened to .NET Rocks. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. So here's the crux of the problem. Web Forms perpetuates this problem. It may have been a great option when it came out, and I recognize that, but if it stays around, I can tell you there will be teams that use it who don't learn from their own mistakes. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to save you, you know. Mm-hmm. Web forms is not necessarily a sin here either, it, the, the sinner here either. 
you could take any tool. You could take MVC and make slow apps with it if you really want to. Sure. You know, they, bad practices are bad practices. It's up to you how you handle that. Well, and, but, you know, the point is, I guess, you know, out of the box with the features that are enabled by default, yeah, you're, you're, you can get performance issues. So there, but there, it's not that it's not tweakable, but it needs to be tweaked. Well, and even then it's like, if you use a data grid and stick controls on each line of the data grid, yeah, okay, that's a lot of view state. Yeah, you're right. But it, it, pages don't have lots of view state just because view state is turned off. That's it's right. It's what you do on the page. You have to use controls and and not turn off the view state. <laughs> so they do need to be tweaked. Yeah, you do need to think about what you're doing. Right. It's not, it's not going to save you there. Yep. So, Eric, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or with any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Windows 8, Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, and Android. And before we go any further, let me tell you that Pluralsight is home to the largest technology and creative training library on the planet. They have well over 3,000 professional developer, IT, admin, and creative courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release new courses daily and offer a 10-day free trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. That brings us to our good friend, Paul Sheriff. Paul is the president of PDSA Incorporated, which you can find at pdsaservices.com. PDSA develops custom business applications specializing in web and mobile technologies. Since 1991, PDSA has successfully delivered advanced custom application software to a wide range of customers and in diverse industries. With a team of dedicated experts, PDSA delivers cost-effective solutions on time and on budget using innovative tools and processes to better manage today's complex and competitive environment. You can reach Paul by email at psheriff, that's 1R2Fs, at pdsa.com. Follow Paul at PDSA Inc. and Facebook.com slash PDSA Paul Sheriff. Welcome back, Paul. Hey, thanks, guys. Great to be here. Always great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, you're up there in my, in my psyche with guys like Billy Hollis who ship software all the time. <laughs> you know, you guys are Absolutely. not ivory tower guys. You uh, are pragmatists. And and constantly shipping software, so that you know that goes a long way in in my book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you guys know, I've always been kind of the the champion for the uh, the the guy just kind of coming up and learning, or the guy in the trenches every day who has to get his job done and can't afford to spend all the time doing everything exactly right, but right. at least needs to get the, the the software delivered exactly. I like that email that you read there, Richard. That was really good because that's, uh, you know, and like you said, anybody can design a bad app regardless of the technology. Yeah, the tools <laughs> will not save you. Yes, that's right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It can be done badly in any language, any technology. I, I thought that was an interesting comment, too. And, you know, also it echoed your sentiment that, you know, web forms is not dead. It's definitely not the problem, uh, the problem that a lot of people think it is. It just needs a little care and feeding, and uh, and it's very, very powerful. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the reasons people love web forms is they love that event-driven model. They love the rapid application development with, you know, all the rich server controls that we have. Mm. But you're right. Out of the box, we need to tweak a little bit. Um, and, you know, that's how you get the better performance out of it. But, you know, just because Microsoft releases something new doesn't mean everybody has to immediately rewrite everything. Right. <laughs> And you shouldn't. 
right? Um, sure. You know, people don't have the time. Businesses can't afford to rewrite everything all the time. And the thing I love about Visual Studio 2013 is they finally married everything together. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you've got web forms, you want to add on MVC, go for it. Right. right? It's fine. So, but, you know, the view state thing, I, that's interesting because... What most people don't realize, you can actually turn off view state for like the majority of your pages. Yep. Yeah. Most people don't even need it. And when you do need it, turn it on selectively for those controls that need it. And then most people don't even know this, but since .NET 1.0, you've been able to store view state on the server. That's right. And you can go back to one of our earliest shows we did with Dino Esposito very early show where he that's exactly what he did and he was writing the view state to just a text file you know on the right. on the server side and that turned out to be the best idea and i remember asking him you know you could throw that in a session too you know just view state in a session and he said you know that's fine except that there's weird behaviors with the back button if you do right. that you know the, your your state doesn't change when the back button change you know when you roll back so yeah yeah another thing you can do is store it into cache and use the cache timeout too ah that's a brilliant idea right because session always stays around that's another problem you hit with that with the cache you can set an expiration on it so if nobody touches it within like a minute kill it let it go and you can get a notification when the cache expires too you got it and if something changes you could have it you know uh redo as well so there's lots of great things and and that's one of the things, especially as we do more mobile apps today, we need to be very conscious of what's going down over the wire. And by storing that view state on the server, it makes you know our apps so much lighter going across the network. Well, let's talk about why you need view state. View state is there to maintain the state of the user controls or the, the custom controls or whatever they call the ASP.NET controls. I can't even remember. This has been so long. Yeah. But but the, but these controls, you know, the, the drag and drop controls, the grid is a perfect example that, um, you know, if you're not doing a sort of a spa, uh, you know, or you're not doing a, any JavaScript or jQuery to make your calls, you're relying on the web forms uh, infrastructure. All the data that's in your con- your grid control needs to persist through the client. And so ASP.NET sends that data in a great big string, a base64 encoded string, and then uh, the client unravels that and turns that into regular old HTML that uh, has a has a look. But you know, if you're, as Richard said, you just throw a grid control on there and hook it up to a uh, you know thousand records of data. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah. You get a thousand records of data every time you press a button. And that's literally the case. You press a button to go back to the server, everything goes back to the server whether you need it to or not. Right. But here's the interesting thing about that is actually text boxes, even the grid view control, actually keep their view their state, even if view state is off. They yeah. changed that. And I'm not sure what version they changed it, huh. but you can actually use a grid view. There's only certain things Within the grid view, for example, if you're in the row command, you won't get the selected item if you don't have view state on for the grid view. But everything else works with view state off. Now, is is there a hybrid mode? So let's say you're doing a you want to do a spa app, right? Which is typically, right. you know, you're using you know, Knockout or Angular, or maybe Bootstrap and jQuery, and and then you've got MVC stuff on the back end or or whatever your service is on the back end. Could be web services, could be whatever. Uh, web API, 
um, you're saying that we can turn off view state, do your spa, and instead of constructing elaborate HTML, uh, you know, constructs that have this look and feel, use the web forms controls. And then instead of, you know, sending everything back round trip, you can hook up jQuery and maybe do some Ajax and stuff. Is that what you're suggesting that we do here? Sort of make a hybrid mix approach? And is that even possible? Absolutely it is. Um, and I do this all the time. Now, one of the things here, here's the thing though. And we're kind of mixing, you know, apples and oranges there because what I find is the right. people that are doing more of the Angular and Knockout and those things, they're typically just doing the pure Ajax approach. Mm. And in that case, you're probably not even going to take advantage of the paging and everything that's built in to the grid view, right? Sure. You're probably doing most of that on the back end yourself. Right. Okay. So I'm typically not finding that people are doing that stuff when they're using the server controls. So and it could be great, uh, but it seems like overkill yep. to have all that you know stuff sent down to the to the client that isn't going to be needed. Whereas, uh, you know, right. a, a sleeker solution like Kendo UI or something, you can have the same look and feel. Where your difference is is that you're programming it in JavaScript on the client, but but it's still very high level, right? You just yep. say, I want a grid and I want paging and I want this many rows and blah blah blah, and here's my data source and boom and you've got an editable grid. Absolutely, and that's what I'm finding. You know, most web developers or web forms developers, they want to do that. They just want to slap something on and not worry about it. Right. And then they want to learn these little techniques to optimize, right, mm. like storing the view state on the server or just turning it off and just turning it on when it's appropriate. All right. So really this hybrid thing that you're talking about doesn't involve you doing any jQuery or anything. It, it just involves managing the features that are already in web forms to make it more performant. Correct. Correct. Okay. I mean, yes, you can use jQuery, but what I find is that most of the guys doing web forms, they are not into that world as much. They're yeah, not doing right. as much jQuery. They're not doing as much JavaScript. And they don't want to. They like C Sharp, and that's where they live. Absolutely. And with just a tiny bit of jQuery and JavaScript, you can make these things really cool. I should say, they also like VBNet. Yep. When I say C Sharp, I mean all the .NET languages. That's really yeah. what I mean. Exactly. I mean, there is nothing wrong with any lang either language or any of the languages in .NET. They all, if you do it correctly, they all come out to the same code, don't they? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know. So, you know, speaking of jQuery and JavaScript, you know, one of the things that people have problems with in web forms is that web forms munges the ID. You know how it adds on the parent control underscore and then the ID that you set? Right. Right. Okay. So that's always been one of the problems, and that's one of the things that a lot of people complain about. Well, in .NET 4, they added the client ID mode, mm -hmm. and now you can set it to static. And when you do that, it's just as if you had written it in MVC or HTML. It, it keeps the same ID. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. It is very nice. I mean, obviously, you need to be careful because if you have user controls or master pages and you have different controls coming in on the same page, you could possibly duplicate the ID. But you would have the same problem even if you were using a partial view in MVC, wouldn't you? Sure. That makes it easier if somebody does want to modify or, or do something with uh, jQuery or JavaScript because Absolutely. those IDs are right there. They are static now, and you don't have to write, because what we'd have to do is, if you remember, Microsoft added the client ID mm -hmm. and unique ID, and we were with script tags, we were able to get at the generated munged ID, mm. okay? But 
if we set the client ID um, uh, client ID mode equal to static, we don't have to. We just use the ID, and it now just looks like any other jQuery or JavaScript, as if you're in HTML or MVC or anything else. And that's yeah. really really cool thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, one of the things we found we wanted to use the jQuery what is it, datatables.net. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a jQuery client side you know way to get paging and all of that. Well, Microsoft also took care of that because when they generate a grid view, they don't do it correctly. And so you have to set the use accessible header equal to true, and you have to set the table section uh, for the header and the footer. You set it to a specific table header or table footer enumeration, and then it generates the grid, or, you know, the, the table that it generates from the grid view actually becomes something that we can use from jQuery and JavaScript a lot easier. Do you find that people are doing this, Did that web forms developers are looking to extend or, you know, catch events on or whatever the, you know, the, the JavaScript HTML constructs that the, uh, the web forms controls put out. And what's a typical yes. example of that? Well, um, part of what I'm seeing is that more and more, as more and more people move to bootstrap, okay, you know, they're developing, they're taking their apps and they're bootstrapping them because, you know, I mean, face it, most of us are not good UI people, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you use something with like Bootstrap, it kind of gives you some a better look and feel than you would probably be able to do yourself. As they get into Bootstrap, what do they find out? Wow, there's all these great things. There's these drop downs, and there's you know all these kind of cool accordions and you know collapsers and all of that. And all of a sudden, they want to now extend that a little bit. So that means they have to use jQuery to you know hook into that. And so that's where they're starting to kind of dip their toe in a little bit. And that's wonderful, right? Because that's a, a great way to start. But that's where I'm finding people are really taking advantage of this. Okay. Yeah. We're using Bootstrap almost exclusively now. And so I've got, you know, I've, I've done so many tiny little examples of using web forms with, um, you know, in fact, I just finished a Pluralsight uh, course on it, on all, everything, doing Bootstrap, modern web apps, uh, using Bootstrap, HTML5, and CSS, and all web forms. Yeah. Four and a half hour course. All right. So... Uh, I don't want to boil it down to a list, but it sounds like a short list. Like, you you know, you disable view state, you turn on the static IDs, and uh, and then you can use things like Bootstrap or whatever with it. Yep. What uh, and, and then in terms of the, the view state, you know, you may want to still use it, but, you know, store it on the server using one of the tricks that we mentioned. There are other issues, too, right? And there are other things that you need Absolutely. to do in this list, but... And we, we'll get yeah. to them in just a few seconds. But first, I need to tell you that Coder Camps is changing the way people learn .NET and JavaScript. If you've been learning .NET on your own, these guys can get you the skills you need to get hired in just nine weeks. They've been around for over a year now, and the results are amazing. Everyone who's graduated has been hired within 90 days, and now they've made it even better by letting students attend camp online. Check them out at CoderCamps.com. Okay, let's continue on with our list of to-dos. Another great to-do is HTML5 and CSS3. You know, the text box control, uh, starting with uh, actually 2010, you could get the add-on for 2010, and now the text box control in ASP.NET supports all the HTML5 input types. So that's kind of nice. So wait a minute. So you're saying I could, I could design a, a web form visually and then change the look and feel with Bootstrap or, or CSS without too much problem? I do it all the time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. I know. It's really cool. Well, you know, have you guys ever been up to wrapbootstrap.com? 
No. Wrap Bootstrap? Wrap bootstrap.com it has tons of templates you can download i mean they're generally about 15 bucks and they're these predefined really good looking templates wow because there are a lot of you can tell when somebody's just used bootstrap but there's a look to a bootstrap site yeah right exactly that's what they do well a lot of the guys and i'm gonna i don't want to bag on them too much but a lot of guys already had these templates and then they kind of put some bootstrap stuff in there yeah so (laughs) but here's the great thing we've taken Three of those from there and a couple from Theme Forest already. What I do is I take them and I put them into a master page so the whole look and feel is there, and then I just design my pages on top of those. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. I've got to imagine I have an existing web form app that I want to take to a phone. And most folks would I, say, well, you've got to rewrite the app. The idea that I could actually add responsive design through a master template is really interesting. Although I've got to think there's going to be some UI redesign. There is a little bit, but in a lot of cases, you know, you can actually do it pretty simply. I mean, it's it does take some time. I'm not going to kid you. But less time than a rewrite. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, last time I did it, you know, it took about maybe a, about an hour per page for mm-hmm. us to go through and kind of bootstrap it, right? Hmm. So, you know, if you've got a large site, it could be quite a bit. But mm-hmm. some pages will take less than others, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah, and Visual Studio has all the IntelliSense built in for HTML5 and CSS3, you know, and I always tell people, I say, look, if anything, at least go through and put in things like, you know, text uh, text mode equal to email and text mode equal to telephone, because when you add those HTML5 types, what does that do? On a mobile phone, it brings up the appropriate keyboard, doesn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. That can mean the difference between really pissing off a user and they don't want to come to your site because, like, gosh darn it, I don't have the right, you know, it's telling me I need an email, bring up my email keyboard on my phone, right? Right. <laughs> you know, so it's little things like that that are so easy. And and if people say, well, i got an older browser. What do older browsers do with stuff like that? They just convert it to input type equals text, don't they? Mm-hmm. Right. So then no harm, no foul. Just doesn't matter. It'll just keep, the main thing is it won't fail. It'll just continue on. Exactly. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I'm not saying to keep using web forms forever. I mean, if, if you want to move to MVC, do it. I mean, MVC has a lot of great things, too. Um, you know, what, what I find funny is people just, they, you know, Microsoft tells them to do something, so they all just go like sheep and right. just say, okay, great, that's the new thing, we got to do it. Instead of looking at, you know, do we really have the time to do this? And as uh, the guy mentioned in that email, do we have the skill set to do it? Mm, right. And that's more important. You know, um, people, and here's what's, what I find so funny. I've had three clients now in the last year that have come to me and said, oh, we're going to switch to MVC. And I said, why? Well, because we're going to do unit testing. I mm. said, that's wonderful. I love that. So they get into it. After six months, I go back in and I do a code review, and they're writing all their stuff. How many unit tests do you think I found? Not too many. Zero. Zero. I'm like, why did you go to MVC? I said, you spent all this time for all your pe- retraining all of your people to do all of this stuff so that they could do unit testing, but nobody's doing it. And you've already written all these pages. I said, this, this was ridiculous. You know, and I said, you had a perfectly good app, and all we had to do was change a few things, and we could have got it to where you wanted it to be. <laughs> but can you, if somebody really does want to start doing testing, is, can you make web forms testable? Absolutely. So, Richard, you've attended my seminar on MVVVM, right? Yes, model indeed. View, view model. Okay. I have a view model that I wrote, and I actually taught this class so many times, but I have an MVVVM approach where I use the same view model. 
in web forms, MVC, uh, Soberlight, uh, WPF, you know, Windows Forms, and Windows Store apps. It's the same exact one. If you do a MVVBM approach, and from your controller in MVC, you call the view model, and then from web forms code behind, you call your view model, I said, now your view model is completely testable, and that's where all the logic lives. Mm, right. Okay. Now, it takes a little bit of rethink to kind of, you know, get it, get to where you're kind of into that mindset, but it's an easier learning curve for most web forms developers to do that than it is to switch to something like MVC in most cases. And I think this is an interesting part of the whole discussion is, okay, you know web forms, but I need you to model, you know, you're never going to get away without changing some skills. I need you to do more Absolutely. with your current skills. That's fine, right? Like we could do that, right. but uh, it's less than starting over. Absolutely. And one thing that people forgot is that, you know, the MVC is great because of routing. You know, you, you have the ability to do routed URLs, friendly URLs, you know, but you can do them just as easily in ASP.NET uh, web forms. Absolutely. That came in with Visual Studio 2012, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I wrote an article just on that, too, of just how to do it. it it's up on my blog. I'll send you these links afterwards, uh, guys. But, uh, you know, I've got it in there step-by-step step on how you add uh, friendly URLs to web forms. In fact, in Visual Studio 2013, when you create a brand-new project, it includes the routing automatically as part of web forms. Now, you also have written extensively on, you know, we, you mentioned it here, too, using the grid view. The grid view is a, a nicer, um, how should we say, it, it works a lot better in this hybrid model than, than the grid or other such repeaters, right? Right. Right. I mean, I wrote a whole article on, like, an alternative view. Instead of doing tables all the time, people just right. love, programmers love tables. Right. Users don't like tables. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why? Because everything's the same size, isn't it? They don't know what's important out of that, you know, spreadsheet-looking thing that they're, that they're facing. Yeah. So if you take a grid view, you can actually create just a single template field, and you can design a really nice interface within that. You still get paging and sorting mm. built in, but you can have something that now does not look tabular and gives the user a much nicer, you know, view of data. And is there anything about the grid view that lends itself better to this hybrid approach than, than say, a data grid or a repeater? Um, the only thing is because what I found um, is because people are more familiar with the grid view than anything else, mm -hmm. I find that they, you know, they would rather stick with something like that. So if they can take advantage of these techniques and use those, um, you know, that's the only thing I think of. I mean, the repeater, I use the repeater a lot. Mm -hmm. But that's because I'm dealing with list groups and other things. These are classes inside of Bootstrap. Yeah. You know, and building men dynamic menus, all of that. So I use the repeater a lot for that. Um, but for larger amounts of data where you need paging and sorting and all of that, you know, GridView gr is great. And you can still make it a responsive table and put in all the Bootstrap, uh, you know, look and feel on a GridView. Yeah, very cool. And you did mention unit testing and, and that kind of thing in MVVM. Is is moving to an MVVM architecture necessary in order to do unit testing with uh, with web forms, or can we just make um, the endpoints more testable? You know, you could. What I find is it's easier if you just you know move as much code out of the code behind. The the, the whole point is get code out of the code behind. To yeah. Make things unit test. Yeah. However you want to do that and whatever is easier for you to do, mm. that's the way you should approach it. Okay. Um, you know, what I tell people, though, is, you know, 
people, people, a lot of times I, th- I find programmers get a little hung up on, oh my gosh, MVVVM, it's a whole new technology. Right. It's not a technology, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just a way of thinking. And everybody today writes classes, classes with properties and methods. And all a view model is is a class, right, that has properties and methods. Okay? And this is the other thing that I look at, too, guys, is I'm also looking at future-proofing my applications. What do I mean by that? Well, okay, so we started with classic ASP, right? Yep. And then we got to .NET Web Forms, and now we're on MVC. What's next? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows what they're going to come up with, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But let me ask you something. Since Object Orna was first proposed back in the early 70s, has the basic structure or what's involved in a class, properties, methods, and events, has that changed in, what, 35 years? Well, it's gotten a little better, but it really hasn't changed fundamentally. I think we've learned not to use inheritance. Yeah, that we have. Right. Right. But when I think about it, I look back at the last now, just the last 14 years with .NET. If I build a, built a class in .NET 1.0, that same class works today. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I have been through, you know, so many different ways of code behind and then, you know, controllers and everything else. So what I like is making sure that all my logic is just a simple class in a simple, you know, class library DLL. Mm-hmm. Because then when the next thing comes along, I can take that DLL and drop it right in. Yep. I agree. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Must be that happy time again. Yeah. Time to bootstrap this show with a bad joke handler. <laughs> Now there's an event. Oh, there's an event. Bootstrap it. It's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Before I tell you who it is, join the Telerik Kendo UI Q214 release webinar, Enterprise UI for Every Device. This free webinar will showcase all the new goodies in the latest release, including data management and visualization additions like Gantt charts, pivot grids, and tree maps, mobile widget support for AngularJS, and lots more. Register now at Telerik.com slash Kendo-UI slash release webinar. Awesome, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Nigel Sampson. Congratulations, Nigel. Golf yeah. clap for you, sir. Absolutely. Get out of here with that thing. Now <laughs> Bye-bye, clappers. <laughs> Bye-bye, clappers. Uh, Nigel just won the Telerik DevCraft collection. That's just about everything Telerik does in one box. A whole bunch of goodness. Hey, if you don't know what we're talking about and doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we give away great sponsor products. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And uh, Paul, it's your turn. If you had five grand to spend on technology today, what would you buy? You know, I thought about that, and uh, does it have to be something in technology? Because to tell you the truth, I really miss my old Roland TD20 drum set that I recorded oh, no. my Oh, Oh, awesome. <laughs> of course and not. Those used, the used ones go for about 3500 so to tell you the truth, I would probably buy that, and then I'd probably go buy a Surface Pro. <laughs> yeah, nice. You know, I love those V-drums. I know. The first set I actually had was a V-drum set. Yeah. That TD-20 was really nice. That's what I recorded my album on with my band, and that was just, oh, we had a blast. 
And uh, I do miss those. I wish I would never have given them up now, but <laughs> oh, well. they have a sort of a, a five hundred dollar, six hundred dollar version that you can buy for kids, like you know, a sort of a stripped down version. And it's great yeah. if your kids are interested in playing drums, then you know they can put the headphones on and not bother you. That was a great Christmas present. Yep, absolutely. Mm. But uh, you know, their new one now is really nice, but it's also like seven grand. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, had a lot of fun with those though. You don't even have to be a drummer to have fun with them because there are some patches that you just play and all of a sudden music starts playing along with you or you just kick, hit the kick and you hear a bass note. So, yep. yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, great stuff. So. <laughs> and you still drumming a bunch, Paul? Uh, not too much right now. I've been so busy with other things. You know, daughter hit uh, high school, so i got a lot of that going on, so yeah. I haven't been able to, but uh, <laughs> I plan of, on getting back to it at some point. He's got a lot of that daughter hitting high school stuff going on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. I know, you know all about kid, it. He's a good kid, though. <laughs> it happens to all of us. Absolutely. Bit by bit. Hey, before we get off the topic, um, and I'm referring to your blog post here, Web Forms is Not Dead, there's some guidance that you you give at the end of it, which states that public sites favor MVC and business apps favor web forms. And this is a really interesting thing. I never really thought of it that way. But um, what's your explanation there? Well, you know, actually, Microsoft had put out a paper a few years ago that actually stated that, hmm. um, which I found very interesting, you know, because they did have an overview. In fact, I uh, do have a the links to those older references there. Um, and, you know, I, I found that interesting. But, you know, the reason why they said that is because back then, you know, kind of the, the whole MVC, I mean, this was a few years ago, and the whole MVC really hadn't been, I think, as thought out as much. Now it's very rich, and it's easier to do the full edit and delete. They have so much scaffolding available right, right. Uh, for MVC. So I think that's why they referenced it that way. Okay. You know, I still find the only, and my reasoning for putting that there was, you know, I'm out, I'm out all the time at tons of different clients every year, and as I go in, I find web forms is the most, still the most predominant uh, technology that people are using to do that. Little bit of MVC coming along, and so when I look at it, I'm like, well, you know, it's still so prevalent for building business applications, and still when you look at corporate America. They are still building business applications, and that's what their skill set is, so that's what they're using. They're mm -hmm. just using web forms for that, you know? Yeah. Here's the thing. to do What I see is that to do MVC, I think you have to be a little more familiar with object-oriented techniques. I don't find as many people, you know, taking advantage of those mm -hmm. as, they, as I think they should. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the MVC guys, I mean, when I look at, you know, I kind of look at programmers in two different ways. I think there's a small minority of guys who are just, you know, unbelievable. They really get the oop. They get the interfaces. They get all of that. And then there's the business programmer who, I have a nine-to-five job. My job is to go in and program a system. And when I go home, I don't think about computers. Right. Right? So there's really two different camps of programmers. Sure. I'm catering more to the guy who is the business programmer who, I just need to get my job done. My boss has tasked me with doing a mobile website. And can I just tack on to what I already know without having to learn everything all over again. And, and they don't want to have to do, you know, pure 100% object-oriented and, mm -hmm. and learn how all this stuff works uh, underneath the hood. And so that's what I'm trying to say. Is I'm trying to say, look, guys, you can still use it and still get some great stuff out the door. 
and take advantage of the features that are there too. You know, like that that crud centric mindset, I think, is pretty important. Yeah, um, I guess it's just the battle I'm going to have with a phone then is the round trip effect. Correct. Correct. So if you know, but again, what a lot of people are doing, what I'm finding is that they just want to at least get their existing application on the phone right. so it looks good and people can use it. That's Usable. the first step. Then make it then better. Then you find out. Mm. Yeah, because then you find out those areas where, okay, hey, it's a little slower here, but it's because of the round trip. What can we now change on just this one page? Okay, now let's dive into some jQuery and some Ajax and stuff right. like that, right? Yeah. And, and there's nothing stopping you from switching a couple pages over to MVC if you really want to. That stuff mix and matches just fine. Bingo. You got it. And that's what Microsoft has done with Visual Studio 2013, right? I mean, it's so easy to drop that in now. Yeah, it's just not that big a deal. You don't have to fight it. Right. Don't have to fear it. Don't have to fight it. Yep. So to me, it's it's more that let's use this as a stepping stone to at least get us to where we need to be for to meet the business needs. Then we can start to go on a little bit and learn about kind of some of these new things. Okay, maybe I can do a little jQuery here within Web Forms to get used to it. And then maybe, yeah, maybe we pull that out and we do a little MVC because I want to try it out and I got a little extra time and my boss would like us to do more of this. Right. Great. We do a little bit at a time. Because you know me, guys, I'm so big on incremental learning. Let's just take a little bit and learn and then a little bit more and a little bit more. Right. I guess the question is, when would you greenfield a web forms app, especially a mobile web forms app? <laughs> and is it just skills? Yeah, that's where, it, to me, it comes down to the skill set of your programmers. And, you know, I mean, here's the other thing I look at, guys. And, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean this negatively, but there are, I mean, our industry also has a lot of older guys in it. I'm an old guy, okay? Yep. I've been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> sure enough. Um, I happen to be one of the guys who still loves learning new stuff. But there's a lot of people out there that, you know what, I'm 55, I'm 60 years old, i got a few more years till I retire, Yeah, I don't want to learn this new stuff. And if they're in a business and their boss doesn't care what technology they use, then, hey, keep using web forms, you can still do, you could greenfield then a mobile web app that way. Right. So, yes, it, me, it comes down to skill set and, you know, kind of what your business, you know, your, bus, your political business environment is. Mm-hmm. So, I think that makes sense, right? Sure. Yeah, and what, and what you can make work. I mean, he's going to need to learn some things to make that web forms page work on on a mobile browser, but right. it's not as much as the rethink that is something like MVC. Exactly. Exactly. And MVC is great. You know, don't get me wrong. I love MVC. I think it's really cool. You know, but I also, you know, very pragmatic about things. I got to look at. I got to get a job done, and my customers typically don't care what I write their app in as long as their app works and it meets their business requirements if you think about it i mean you can start a brand new greenfield uh aspnet project with nothing in it you know you know the bare essential i mean nothing add a default aspx and in that initial code behind there you can look at your in your page load you can just look at the the parameters that were passed in on the URL, and you have them. And if you want to send back JSON, you send back JSON. I mean, it's not not that big a deal to do. Absolutely. So, and then you have then you have your service essentially, right? Without having to have all of the the heavyweight web service XML stuff. You know, I think we're right. beyond that for mobile. But uh, you know, you don't have to have all the other ceremony involved in it. 
Right. Well, I even had an article I wrote and I did a, a video on how to take your existing WCF services, because a lot of guys have the WCF services, mm. but you can take that and literally with just config changes and attributes, you can modify that to, to return JSON instead of XML. Mm-hmm. There is no additional coding needed whatsoever. It is right. literally config and attributes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a great way to go right there. Really is. Um, what about third-party controls? Not that I necessarily want to endorse any given product per se, but do you see it as a prerequisite on the web form side or the MVC side? You know, I, I, I don't know. I personally am not a big fan of any third-party controls. Right. And I'll tell you why. Because over the years, we've seen them come, we've seen them go, we've seen them change from one version to the next, and they break compatibility. We've seen too many bugs in them, and then we're waiting for them to fix things. We literally, I swear to God, guys, we just literally finished a project earlier this year for a company. We spent six months ripping out literally about 50, out of 50 pages, we ripped out a whole third-party vendor's controls. I'm not going to mention the third-party vendor. It doesn't matter. But they were so sick of it because they had bugs and all these things, and we literally replaced everything with free jQuery stuff. And hmm. got the same exact functionality. Hmm, so it can be done. Yep. Yeah. You do have to learn them, that's all. You have to increase your skills in JavaScript and jQuery. <laughs> well, plus the, the development on the back end is so different now when you're just building service models and having the browser do all the rendering. I just wonder how effective that model is on a phone. It seems like you're making the phone work harder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, we mock server-side rendering, but... You know, in the early days, the browser just wasn't that capable. Right. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, but look at the third party, you know, I mean, some of the big, like, here again, you got to go to the grid. You yeah. know, there are so many third party grids. Well, those things are not, absolutely not applicable for a mobile phone. Yeah. Right. No way. I mean, nobody's going to sit there and scroll around and, you know, we're going to yep. get carpal tunnel in our two fingers for zooming and, you know, pinching, right? <laughs> not to mention all the data that needs to go down there. Yeah. Correct. So that's why we need to get away from those things. And when you look at something else, I mean, do the third-party controls give you any benefit? Well, typically not, especially if you look at Bootstrap, which is all pure CSS. And mobile phones are fantastic at HTML5 and CSS3. The mobile browser is leaps and bounds above any other browser out there right now, right? You know, the WebKit browser. Mm-hmm. So as far as supporting HTML5 and CSS3. And uh, so we got to look at that. So is is that third-party control you're buying really going to be applicable for a phone or even an iPad? Probably not. Yeah, and that's an interesting part. Like the tablet scale is another scale separate from the mm-hmm. phone and separate from the uh, PC. Right, yeah. But see, that's where Bootstrap has all of that stuff built in. And then with jQuery, those two things right there are just a fantastic combination for targeting any of those devices. Well, that's where, you know, I, I mean, I recommend Pluralsight a lot because Pluralsight has some great training on Bootstrap. I mean, our buddy Sean, you know, uh, he, he does the whole Bootstrap 3.1. I mean, that's fantastic. Right. Learn that stuff. That's that's where it's at, I think. So tell us about your Pluralsight uh, video. Well, I did, uh, you know, this new thing about uh, Web Forms does modern application web development. I mean, it's basically, you know, all the built-in HTML5 input types with the text box control how to play nice with jQuery, and I go through literally tons of little examples to show you all the different ways that you can use Visual Studio with web forms, with mm-hmm. jQuery, with 
you know, HTML5 with CSS3. I show mm-hmm. how to disable view state, store the view state on the server, how to use friendly URLs. I then go into, like, how to create navigation uh, with Bootstrap in a master page. Um, I, sh- I talk about using the grid view, making the grid view responsive, how to use the repeater control. Um, and then I, then I have a whole ton, like about 12 different business UI screens that I go through that are typical, you know, like contact us, about pages, right? Um, you know, login screens, all of that. And I go through each one of these, and I show how to build them using web forms and bootstrap. You know, contact us, login, forgot password. So all of these I just build in web forms using, you know, and I show how to post back and gather the data and put it into a class even. So it's really a neat little course. It's about four and a half hours, mm-hmm. pretty comprehensive. Um, but it will give the web form developer a way to extend their life and also get a nice, you know, responsive application going. I'm sure you're going to run across the occasional web pages like the data grid of doom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just sort of taking that apart, saying, how am I going to make this work on a phone? You know, 12 columns, yeah. embedded controls, data grid of doom. Yep. Right. But that to me is where you then really need to, you know, that to me is one of those pages with, yep, I'm going to rewrite that. Right. You know, that's just not going to work. And I'm going to come up with a different approach instead of doing it tabular what else could we do? Yeah. And so those are the harder pages to convert, obviously. Definitely. Like, it, it is going to take a rethinking. Even at the child-parent design, you know, where you have, like, the order with its line items, like, that's a tough thing to render usefully on a phone. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. But, you know, it, it, again, depends on how people have built that in the web form. If they have everything in one page, you know, that to me is too much. And so that's one where I might actually split that out across a couple of pages because that works better on a mobile phone then, right? Right. You know, but then, but everything's still there. You have everything. It's just a matter of creating a separate page to do that. And, of course, we can always detect whether we're coming in from a phone. So we could always choose which way to go based on, you know, are we coming in from a desktop? Hey, keep it the, the old way. Right. Coming in on a phone, let's go this new route. That's easy to do. So let's say that we've, you know, been listening for the last 45, 50 minutes and, you know, keeping a mental checklist and say, oh, yeah, I could do that or I could, you know, okay, I, I could do that, I could do that. Wow, it seems like Web Forms is a really good solution for us to stick with and just modify our stuff. And other than all of the other, you know, the gotchas and things that we've been talking about, is there any other brick wall that people typically hit when, you know, trying to take their current ASPX, you know, web form site and, uh, you know, run some services from it that we can access via mobile. You know, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, I've, I've hit some, but they've all been pretty much the things that I talked about. Right. Um, some people talk about, well, I don't have such fine control over the HTML. Well, then I just use a repeater because with a repeater, I, I have exactly the control I want over what gets generated. Right. You use a template. Yeah, exactly, because then it's your template. Um, you know, I can't really think of anything that's been a showstopper. Um, a lot of it has been things where, like I mentioned with the grid view, sometimes we wanted to use some client-side paging, you know, so we send the table down of a couple hundred rows, and then we let the client-side take over. So we've had to, you know, take advantage of some of these little tricks that Microsoft built in. They're actually built in, and Microsoft recognizes with the grid view, you have to set the use accessible header you know, the true in order to get it to render a correct, you know, T head for you, for instance. I've used literals in the past a lot with uh, templates that I've created just as text files on the back end. 
So yeah. you know, you create create an HTML file the the way you want, and you have it looking, and then you just sort of put in placeholder, you know, whatever strings where there's unique things that need to be uh, repeated or whatever, and then load those things up and do a replace a string replace on the data that you need to put in there, and then just put it in a literal and shove it wherever you want. I mean, it's kind of a brute force approach, but but it's certainly an easy way to get around any of the limitations that you have in, in web forms if you need to be in that environment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I mean, because I've got most of the apps that I do, I mean, you guys have seen me do the you know, talks over the years, and you know I typically will have kind of side-by-side a lot of times. And so I have these ones in web forms, and I run them, and then I bring them up in MVC, and I run them, and I show you the same app in both of them. Mm. And I swear you can't tell the difference as far as speed or anything else. Mm-hmm. And if I right-mouse-click and say view source, the, the source looks almost the same mm. once I turn view state off and store it on the server, Right. Right. You know, when I start looking at that, because you guys know, I mean, Microsoft has updated web forms as well. It doesn't do all of that kind of JavaScript stuff that they did before. They have real nice libraries now. They do a lot of jQuery for the validation and mm-hmm. things like that now in web forms as well. So they've kept up. Yeah, good points. Paul, is there anything else that we need to cover here before we uh, jump off? Do you have any offers or anything? You usually have some good offers for the listeners. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like anything, I mean, I have videos, I have my, um, you know, my uh, developer tools that we sell, Haystack and our framework. So we'll always, always, to your readers, give a 20% discount to any of our tools or videos. So we're always happy to offer that. Just uh, contact me and I'll put you in touch with my sales guy and we'll go from there. That's so awesome. Paul, thank you for what seems like a lifetime of great work and great output on your part. And uh, uh, just very impressive. Oh, thanks, guys. I always enjoy being a part of your show, and I really appreciate you guys having me on again. I'll send you a bunch of links when we're done here. Absolutely. Keep rocking. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got